welcome to 7-Minute Explainers, your audio guide to everything you need to know about compelling and complex topics. I'm Lauren Hansen, an editor at The Week, and today I'd like to share the brief history of the Environmental Protection Agency and its changing mission. The great question of the 70s is, shall we surrender to our surroundings, or shall we make our peace with nature and begin to make reparations for the damage we have done to our air, to our land, and to our water? It was Republican President Richard Nixon who established the Environmental Protection Agency in 1970. His initiative was essentially a child of the 1960s. During that era, smog-choked cities and contaminated rivers and lakes made Americans increasingly anxious about pollution from emissions, industrial waste, raw sewages, and other sources. Now, it wasn't that the government hadn't tried to protect the environment before. There were some federal regulations, but they were spread across multiple agencies, from agriculture to the army. So it was largely up to the states to enforce environmental laws, and they weren't all that strict. After all, states had to compete so fiercely for the location of industry that they were lax when it came to regulating those industries. And frankly, it was difficult to get widespread compliance. So, the EPA had a lot of work on its hands when it got started in 1970. First on its list was the protection of air and water. The Air Pollution Control Act of 1955 was the first to provide funds for research into air pollution, and the Clean Air Act of 1963 was the first to impose some sort of control over air pollution. But it was really the amendment of that legislation, the Clean Air Act of 1970, that really changed the government's role in regulating air pollution. It basically gave the EPA broad powers to regulate emissions from smokestacks and tailpipes. Then in 1972, the Clean Water Act granted the government similar authority over waterways and wetlands. Congress also empowered the agency to regulate pesticides and ban DDT. For this new insect destroyer contains a lot of DDT, not just a little. Its DDT content is even higher than government specifications. Developed in the 1940s, DDT was the first synthetic insecticide, and it did wonders, helping to combat malaria, typhus, and other insect-borne human diseases. But it was wildly toxic. It was so toxic, in fact, and so widely used that it nearly wiped out several bird species, including the bald eagle. Other disasters inspired further regulation. In 1978, after seeping chemicals from a toxic waste dump sickened hundreds of residents in New York State, the EPA began regulating hazardous waste cleanup. But at this time, the EPA was also proving to be extremely controversial. Industries were not happy. They were finding the EPA's regulation too complex and too costly. They argued that the constant need for permits and clearances were killing jobs and strangling the country's economic growth. This narrative quickly fueled a divide between the EPA on one side and businesses, large and small, on the other. Soon enough, though, business found an ally. Governor Reagan, do you feel that an agency such as the Environmental Protection Agency is effective, or do you favor another form of environmental control? Well, I think the Environmental Protection Agency, in many instances, 
uh, has, has gone to an extreme. When Ronald Reagan was running for president, he campaigned on a promise of governmental deregulation, with the extremists at the EPA as his prime target. Once elected, Reagan named Ann Gorsuch as his EPA administrator. If that name sounds familiar, it should. Ann Gorsuch, who died in 2004, was the mother of our new U.S. Supreme Court Justice, Neil Gorsuch. Ann Gorsuch was an outspoken critic of the EPA, and she made deep cuts to the agency and invited regulated industries to rewrite rules as they pleased. But the tide was turning for the EPA, and Gorsuch didn't last long. Cleaning up the environment was popular, and in the decades to follow, the EPA found support among both Republican and Democratic presidents. Overall, the agency has been successful. Since 1970, air pollution is down by 70%, and the percentage of America's polluted waterways has been cut almost in half. The hole in the ozone layer is healing, and blood levels of lead, which can cause brain damage and lowered IQs, have dropped 75% in the American public as a whole. But the big question now for the EPA is what will happen to it under President Trump? Environmental protection? What they do is a disgrace. Every the EPA's future will largely depend on what kind of a budget Congress passes. Trump's original blueprint slashed the EPA by 31 percent, and Trump's new administrator, Scott Pruitt, isn't setting environmentalists at ease. Do you believe that it's been proven that CO2 is the primary control knob for climate? Do you believe that? No, I would not agree uh, that it's a primary contributor uh, to, the, to the global warming that we see. Scott Pruitt is a climate skeptic. That interview clip you just heard was from March 2017. Trump has charged Pruitt with dismantling much of President Obama's environmental legacy, including the clean power plan, the clean water rule, and fuel restrictions for automakers. And the fact is, voters may not necessarily care. Polls have found that a majority of people still favor protecting the environment over more fossil fuel development. But when it comes to prioritizing the environment, well, voters have a lot of other concerns weighing on their minds. And that may be in part because the EPA has had so many successes. We're not constantly reminded by billowing smokestacks and sewage-clotted rivers of the risks of pollution. When it comes to the environment's health, it could be more out of sight, out of mind. And that does it for this episode of 7-Minute Explainers. Look out for new episodes every Thursday on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Lauren Hansen, and thanks so much for listening.